What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. Let's roll it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you doing? Pretty good, Tom, per usual. I'm trying to think if there's any notable updates in my life. I'm still on the Jeffrey Epstein deep dive, but otherwise, yeah, not much going on. What about you? I am celebrating the death of the Christopher Columbus statue in Boston. (laughs) Shout out to whoever knocked that thing's head off, man. uh, Deep respect. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to talk about a few things today. Going to go over some news and notes. First of all, the Celtics sent out a video on Monday, I believe, where they had Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum working out in the Celtics practice facility. We got sort of a look at what it looks like with Scott Morrison wearing a mask and gloves as he was passing out to Gordon and just kind of seeing some guys get some work in. But it was interesting to see Celtics players being Celtics players again. It was a, what, two-minute clip? So it was short, but it was kind of cool to see it in action. I guess my biggest takeaway is that Jason Tatum still has not cut his hair. So the thing with these videos, too, or any sort of communications from Celtics PR is they sent this to everyone that closely covers the Celtics throughout the year. And unless you're literally like at your computer or on your phone, which most of us are, to be honest, if you miss it, then like everyone else has already tweeted it out. So I was busy doing something else and I go and check my email and like, oh, great, like email from Celtics PR, like I missed whatever was going on. And I opened the clip and I just sort of like fast forward. I'm like, wait, who is that? Because it was a shot from like behind. So you didn't see his face. And all you see is like this like thick head of hair. And I'm like, who is that? Like I literally had to be like, oh, that's Jason Tatum because he's grown out his Did they sign Shane Larkin and he grew six yeah. inches? What's going <laughs> I genuinely was like, who is that? So his hair is still raging, like all the power to him, but I just think it's funny because I feel like we've heard from him throughout the season, like how much pride he takes in his hairline and things like that. And I feel like most NBA players like to, they, they care about their hair and like it matters to them. So yeah, he, he's just rocking like, it's not, Jared Weiss called it like a mini Afro on Twitter. I wouldn't say it's that status yet, but yeah. um, definitely like noticeably more hair. So that was my first takeaway. And then the second takeaway was just Tatum was knocking down shots. I, I think that they didn't, they didn't include any footage of a missed shot. And I think that was probably intentional. But what was your takeaway? 
Yeah, no, I mean, similar. It was, uh, it, it was interesting to see that. Um, it was interesting to see Gordon getting back into his turnaround jumper, like the patented shot. It was, it was fun to see that and be like, oh, yeah, like we're going to get to see him do that again quite soon. It was interesting between that and then Ennis Cantor tweeted out a video of just kind of the process of cleaning up the, the facility. At the start of the video, there was a worker looked like sanitizing the rims, which was something interesting that I hadn't thought about, but it makes sense. Like you got to... The guys are touching the ball. The ball is touching the rim, even though the Celtics aren't showing the ball touching the rim at all. And uh, they've got to sanitize that. So that was interesting. Two things I, I thought were kind of interesting about the second half of Cantor's video, um, where he showed the weight room, and there was a little sign that said disinfected or needs to be disinfected. Um, you had to flip that over if you used one of the benches or any of the pieces of equipment. And then it also had Celtics assistant coach Tony Dobbins getting in a workout. And I was like, oh, actually, I actually didn't know that the Celtics assistants could go in there and get in workouts. So uh, other than that, it's, it's fun to see kind of behind the scenes. I think it was kind of cool to be intrigued by a behind the scenes shot again. It was cool to see. Um, I didn't even know Tatum was back as well. Yeah, I didn't either. So yeah. um, that was an update. I think Grant and Kemba are still in Charlotte. And Brad did say that opening the facility isn't like um, an end-all be-all. Like yeah. he didn't really seem too jazzed about it. He didn't really seem like this could be Brad putting on a front, of course, as well. He didn't make it seem like this was a really big deal or something. It was just more of guys can get back and do work. But for some guys, I guess, maybe Kemba or Grant, that they already have access to a hoop, then it's not that big of a deal for them to come into the yeah. facility maybe. Yeah, and I mean, that speaks to the importance of getting real contact work in. Like, if you can do most of the stuff that the guys are doing at the practice facility with a decent weight set at home and a hoop, that really does speak to the fact that, like, like it's good to stay in shape, but you don't need, you know, like a big practice facility. What you need is three-on-three, four-on-four, one-on-one, five-on-five. Like, you need the real run. You need Live action. Yeah, you need to feel what it's like to dribble against a defender. You know, you need that kind of stuff to get back in basketball shape. So having a couple of months to to really build up to it is going to be really good for these guys. So hopefully everybody stays healthy. Um, And I feel like it must feel pretty good for the players to be back at the facility. I know that they could work out at home, but now they know, like, okay, like, we are actually going to play basketball. Like, I feel like it might be sort of hard at least from personal experience, to motivate yourself and not really know what's going to happen sometimes. Like, am I just working out for like no reason? Like nobody wants to do anything for no reason. I think maybe like for them to one, get back into the gym, be shooting and sort of the familiarity of seeing like, oh, Coach Larinager, Scott Morrison, you know what I mean? Like seeing familiar faces, getting back into their routine, like it must feel pretty good because for a lot of them, I imagine that this is the longest they've been without basketball in their entire lives. Like I feel like they've all been playing the sport, like either every day or every other day for like, since they were, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that speaks to something kind of interesting that Brian Windhorst brought up on the hoop collective the other day about like the bubble in Orlando itself and how different that's going to be. Like, His point, and I think it's a good one, was that he was surprised the players' union agreed to this so quickly, like they just sort of like played ball the way they did, because these are not small concessions that they're making. Like, for example, like daily testing, that's going to suck. Like, that's going to be really bad. It's going to be really uncomfortable. And like, it's going to be weeks and weeks. I think Winhor said it was going to be like seven weeks, basically, before guys could see, you know, wives, girlfriends, family, whatever. Like, this is going to be a major adjustment, like a really difficult 
thing for them. And you talk about like getting back into your routine. And, and I think that there is something to like getting back in a routine of basketball, but even the routine of basketball is going to be really disrupted in Orlando because like you think about like a game routine, right? Like you think about like guys, you know, Romeo Langford, he's like the first one to show up because he's kind of got that first slot to get out on the court and get shots up. So, I mean, presumably Romeo shows up at, you know, roughly the same time every day. Um, you know, he goes through his whole routine. He plays the game. He gets done. He showers. He goes home. And it's like even like the showering is going to be different because even the showering is going to be like you have to go back to your uh, your hotel. Like these things are going to be very different. And I hope that everybody is prepared, you know, mentally for how I, I, I think that Orlando is going to be mentally difficult on guys. And I hope that they're ready for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a locker room. Yeah. Which is going to be yeah. interesting. And like. I know with hair salons opening up, I haven't gone to get a haircut or anything, but one of the Globe editors also colors hair on the side. And he was saying that the patrons have to wait in their car before it's okay for them to come in. You know, like it'll be fascinating to see. We've always been taught like it's good to be early. And for these things, it's like, no, you have to show up at this time. Like we can't have more people. Like it's just going to be fascinating to see like, how it all works out. And I wonder like if it will affect, I mean, maybe not with the Celtics, but how it will affect chemistry. Cause so much of that is through like banter in the locker room and things like that. It will be a little bit different for them. Yeah. One dumb thing I'm kind of interested in is, um, yeah, I mean like guys like to like get dressed up, like walk in like with their really nice clothes. There's like all the Twitter accounts that are like league fits and stuff like that. I'll be curious if guys like, you know, sometimes it like during COVID, it can feel good. Like, even if you're not going anywhere, I'd be like, all right, like, I'm not going to like, I'm going to like take a shower today. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I can't speak to this personally, but I'm going to wear something other than sweatpants or basketball shorts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll be curious if they like still go to the games, like in nice clothes, if there's like, yeah. you know, like if there's like a team employee who can like take pictures of them, like walking in or something like that, or if they just do what like AAU kids do and just kind of like shuffle in and you're in your slides and your uh in the jersey in, in, in your well no like yeah to do the full AAU thing you got to be like your your team t-shirt with your jersey around your neck like a cape like I uh yeah I'll be curious to see how, how they do that it doesn't matter at all but I'll, I'm something small yeah. I'm interested in what are your like biggest questions not about health at all and not about basketball stuff but just sort of like logistics stuff well, one thing I, I mean, I, I'm kind of interested in is like, I, because I don't understand Disney, really, I've never been to Disney World, like, you know, we had Keith Smith on, and he like explained it to us. But like, my brain still doesn't really have a concept of how far away things are from each other. Like, is there a hotel like walking distance from the wide world of sports? Are they going to need to like, take monorails over? Like, I'm curious how that's going to go. Because I don't, like, I don't know the logistics of the park. How about you? I wonder if we will get access to like the list. So I think right now it's they each get three family members once the regular season is over. Like I'm curious if we'll get access to that list or if it'll ever be like made public who's going. And some of them are easy. Like I imagine Jason Tatum will bring his mom and Deuce and I don't know who the third one is, but like the bulk of that one is easy. But I'm curious to see for someone like Grant Williams, like, will he want his mom or grandpa or dad to come? You know what I mean? Like, does he even want that? And if yeah. not, like, how will they define family member, I guess, is my question. Like, and I mean, are there going to be some guys who just don't bring anybody? Like, right, right. you know, like, because it, it might it might be a thing where I mean, like, 
you know, maybe there's somebody who would like his mom to come, but then he would have to invite his dad, you know, and he doesn't really feel like doing that or something like, I, you know, I, there's all kinds of situations that could evolve there. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some guys who just don't, it's going to be a really bizarre, bizarre few weeks. But yeah, no, I, th- I think that that's a, I think that's an interesting question. I, I would also be curious. I assume we will, but I, I will be fascinated to see, like, let's say the Celtics like party is 35 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who are the 35 people the Celtics are going to bring? I'm so fascinated by that. Like which coaches, which trainers, like, are there any of their coaches that are just like left home? Are there any video people who are left home? Like, I don't know. Curious to see that one as well. Have they established the number? Uh, I believe it was Windhorse who was saying 35, but I don't remember if it was official or anything like that. I'm guessing it's not. They haven't really made any of the health stuff official. They've just kind of done the format. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the health stuff. I think that's going to be, that's just going to be a really interesting read. Like here are all the things that you can and can't do. All right. Well, we'll leave that there. Um, We're going to take a quick break to hear from Bet Online, And when we come back, we're going to talk about, is Jason Tatum good? There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right. So, Nicole, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. Those are the eight guys that I have on my list that I think are for sure top 10 NBA players right now. And the reason we're going to talk about this is because, one, we're three months into quarantine, just really scraping the bottom of the barrel for topics. But two, Brian Scalabrini on WEI said that he believes that Jason Tatum is a top 10 player in the NBA right now. And I actually think that that's a pretty interesting discussion. Because I think that after those top eight, but I think after those top eight, there is a group of players of which Tatum is a part that all kind of have, you know, question marks or elements to their game that might drag them down a little bit, but they're all obviously extremely good. So two questions for you. One, do you agree with those eight as guys who are definitely top 10 players? And two, do you think that it's a reasonable thing to say that Jason Tatum might be a top 10 player right now? Okay, so first, I think we should acknowledge, obviously, Scal is approaching the situation from a very biased perspective in that he played for the Celtics, and he currently is a broadcaster for NBC Sports Boston. That being said, I know Scal is very knowledgeable about basketball and has good takes, but I think there definitely is some homerism with his lens, per se. I don't know if I totally agree with that. He's biased. Um, I don't think that diminishes his take, but I just want to acknowledge that Scal is a Celtics homer. So, yeah, okay, so here would be my counter to, to that. I think Scal is a Celtics homer on broadcasts, but I'm not sure that I think he is when he's just, like, thinking and talking about the game. His Celtics takes are pretty good. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I agree. So I think he can probably analyze the Celtics, and I think his Celtics takes are really good, but when it comes to how the Celtics compare on a national scale, I think that his takes are going to be biased. Like, I think he can 
identify the strengths and weaknesses of various Celtics players and talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the Celtics team and like analyze how everything's going in that Celtics lens. Yeah. His basketball intelligence obviously is very above average and far above ours. But when you compare Celtics players on just a national scale, he is biased and that's okay. Like, I just think it's ridiculous to think he's not biased. I think he is biased. I'm not sure he's, I'm not sure he's biased here. Regardless. We promise this segment won't just be Tom and I arguing over whether Scal is biased. Semantics yet again. Like, yeah. Anyway. So my top eight was all the same, except I had Paul George instead of Jokic. Okay. Um, I had Jokic in my like pool of other players sort of contending for those final two spots. But to your other question, I wouldn't say it's, unreasonable but I wouldn't say that it's reasonable I know that's sort of like a very safe take but I think (laughs) here's where I stand on it is that Jason Tatum is like a very good basketball player and he's going to be a very good basketball player and I have no doubt that he is going to be in the top 10 at some point in his career based Mm -hmm. on what we've seen so far that being said, just looking at this pool of other players that I have for potentially spots above him, I think those players just have shown more. We have like a more complete package of them. And in, in ranking players, we're not ranking them on their ceiling. And I just think that there's a lot of players that have already shown stuff that makes them maybe a bit more deserving. So that, I think that's reasonable. I think that there is one thing that I would at least think about. Like, we don't think of, definitely we don't think about, like, the 10 best players in the league with what they could be down the road. But I think it's interesting to think about ceiling in terms of, like, how good can a player be right now, but he doesn't always reach that ceiling right now. He is sometimes a top 10 player in the NBA. I'm interested in the Paul George, Jason Tatum argument right now because we've seen it from Paul George in the past where he's a level above Tatum. He hasn't been this year. And Tatum has been, you know what I mean? So like, and, and, and certainly some of that is like, because Paul George was playing with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George was injured some during this year. Like there was, there was a lot of things working in that favor. Um, this season, like from what we've seen this season and from the two, like the situation that Paul George is in and the situation that Jason Tatum is in, I kind of feel like Jason Tatum can and has been a better player than Paul George um, for lengthy stretches this year. And I'm not sure entirely how to, how to sort yeah. of rectify that. I mean, obviously a top 10 list isn't completely retrospective. Like you're not just looking at what they've done. You're also looking at like what they're capable of right now, like in this moment. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say that like, for example, sort of when we were talking about a potential Clippers Celtics series, you sort of were like, I would take the Celtics, not necessarily writing the Clippers off, but you were very confident in the Celtics sort of because of what we had seen what we had seen against the Clippers during the regular season. Let's, let's roll that back slightly. I would pick the Celtics over the Clippers. I would not say that I'm like very confident, but I would, okay. I would pick the Celtics over the Clippers. Either way, you would pick yeah. them. And I think part of that is because of what we saw during the regular season, I assume. For sure, yeah. And so for me, though, I still would pick the Clippers. And I think this train of thought is similar in that I would pick the Clippers because, yes, like Jason Tatum was absolutely unreal. Yes, the Celtics played two great games against the Clippers. But if you look at, like, the Celtics are one of the youngest teams in the NBA. And if you look at the Clippers, like, yeah, Jason Tatum somehow shut down Kawhi, both on the offensive and defensive end. Like, that's crazy. Like, he was 
making shots over Kawhi. He, I, Kawhi shot two air balls while Tatum was defending him, which was just unreal during overtime. But I would still pick Kawhi because I've seen Kawhi in the playoffs just look absolutely unreal. And how deep their bench is, how much playoff experience they have, and just overall their star power and their unit is stronger. And so I guess like how that translates to like the individual Tatum conversation is like Tatum, he's shown flashes 1000% that show he could be like top five one day. You know what I mean? Like he could be even above the top 10, but it's like, I haven't seen enough to just like confidently put him in the top 10, especially when you see the body of work that these other players have done and they haven't like, yeah, Paul George maybe wasn't his best this year, but like you said, there were injury. There was the new team. There were so many other factors. He hasn't done anything really where I'm like, Oh, Paul George has declined. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. There's nothing that like makes me think that he has taken a step back in any way. He's still that player. So I think with Tatum, it's just, this isn't to his fault at all. Like there's just not enough time. He's only 19. To- <laughs> there's just not enough time yet for him to like prove himself. And a lot of these players that we're going to be talking about are in their prime. Like Tatum's yeah. not in his prime. Well, <laughs> yes, but I don't know that that necessarily is a case against how good he is right now. I think no, that's just like a holy cow, this guy's. I agree, holy. but if you look at the players that we just listed, like none of them are like, and that speaks to how special Tatum is, but none of them are in their early stages of their right, for sure. career. Like, for sure. And I mean, I think a lot of what we're sort of like speaking to right now in terms of like questioning whether Tatum is in the top 10 is just the fact that he's not consistent yet. Um, and like, understandable if he comes out and he just tears up Orlando and then next year he just like rips into everybody again at that point I think it's no question that he's top 10 but we haven't seen that yet which is why I think it's you know it's still a pretty good debate the playoffs like you said will be a perfect time and a perfect stage for him to really cement himself as a potential top 10 player because if he is ineffective or if he maybe not even ineffective like if he just like has any sort of drop off then it's like okay maybe not yet but that being said like Jay Laranega did tell Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe that he made like 90% of his shots at the facility when those videos came out yeah so and I think too I mean last season didn't go very well yeah it's you don't want to and that's the counter so there's there's an easy counter to you saying well we need to see it from him and it's like well he was like the best he was the top scorer on Eastern Conference finals team that was one bad shooting quarter away from making the NBA finals as a rookie. And that's bonkers. But then to your point, like that second year, really, I mean, there were like a lot of legitimate questions about his development after that second year. As a rookie, his jump from rookie to second year should be very noticeable. You know, like probably there should be just like conventionally, obviously there are players that don't fit that, but just like conventionally speaking, like, if you are potentially going to be in this conversation, like you should improve from rookie to sophomore year. I will say I had more concerns about the way he started his third year than I did about his second year. Cause I mean the, the second year setting aside all the mitigating factors, it's just, even if you're really, really good, it's just hard that second year, once people have started to like figure out how to guard you and you have to like- Stop start making excuses counters. for him, Tom. No, no, no. But I'm saying, I'm saying that I, I was more concerned with the way that he started his third year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he didn't start this year very well either, which I think is yeah. 
knock against him. But I, was, I mean, there was like, like looking, not even how he started the second year, just looking at the whole second year body of work. It was not good. No, yeah, for sure. not good. Like, there's no real way to, like, spin it, in my opinion. It was, I mean, he was one of the least efficient shooters <laughs> in the NBA because he just kept – but the thing was, I, I think that this is the biggest – this is the biggest reason I think you think I'm, like, a Jason Tatum defender now, which I kind of am. Like, I, I think he's going to be amazing. But um, – I'm not saying he's not. But the thing was that I felt like last year – like the, the problem was the long twos and it was just so clear all he had to do to like get back to being really, really good was take threes, you know, get really good at threes off the dribble, get to the rim and, and draw fouls. And then literally in his opening press conference this year, he's like, yeah, I got to cut down the long twos. I got to get to the free throw line more. I got to get to the rim. I got to shoot threes. And it was like, Oh, like this guy's going to have a pretty good year. And then like, he was kind of off at the start and you know, and he, and he, and he honestly, kind of kept launching long twos at the start. But then when he stopped and he just started like doing everything right, that I think is one of the reasons why I feel pretty comfortable with him going forward is because the thing that really hurt him his second year and that kind of hurt him at the start of his third year was fixable. He fixed it. He looked like a superstar. And here we are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I'm not saying I don't feel comfortable moving forward with Tatum. And I think he will be in the top 10, but I'm just saying like, Right now, maybe we need to take off, like, the Celtics goggles and... I will not stand for this. I will not stand for this. I am not wearing Celtics goggles. I am, I am simply saying that the thing that needed to be fixed got fixed. But it's so still, I don't, I don't... It still needed to be fixed. I'm not... He did fix it. And unlike some of these other players, his flaw as of right now was fixable. And he addressed it. I don't disagree that Jason Tatum will be in the top 10. I'm not saying it will take that much more time but like we just need to see another good stretch I think that's fair so here's where I'm at with it I would say I would have him at like just outside the top 10 as we speak and I think that with a a good postseason I'm not and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like hold it against him if he doesn't have one just because like the circumstances are so I'm not gonna really hold it's gonna be hard to hold anything against anyone during these playoffs because they're gonna be so weird but if he has a really good playoffs and he really shows out and he really just kind of keeps doing the thing that he's been doing for the last few months, I think after this season, I will feel pretty comfortable putting him in. Um, not like top five, not like above Kawhi or anything crazy like that. But like, you know, if he has a great playoffs, I personally will have him above, probably above Paul George. And like, you know, probably above like a Dame. Like I, I think a wing is a little bit more useful, um, especially defensively, and especially a wing who plays as, as good defense as Tatum does. I do think it's funny that you're like, yeah, if he sucks, like I probably won't count it. But if he's really no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Here's here's why I think that is I would say the same thing about Paul George. It's like if Paul George sucks during the playoffs, I'm not going to hold it against him. If he's awesome, I will give him that credit. You know what I mean? There's going to be people who really show who who play really well, and there's going to be some people who don't, and I'm not going to really hold it against the people who don't. But I am going to be impressed by the people who kind of show up. If Joel Embiid shows up and is bad at basketball because he's out of shape, I'm definitely going to hold that against them because that's, that's fair. reflective of who he is as a player. You know what I yeah, mean? That's fair. That's so I think maybe conditioning-wise, you have a little bit less of a rope, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point, especially given, again, if they were just, like, starting the playoffs, like, on June 13, and, like, they gave guys no warning, then it would be like, well – okay, like, I don't even think we can blame guys for being in bad conditioning. But since they're giving these guys all this time, they, like – and not only have they given all these, these, these guys all this time, there have been leaks for <laughs> quite a while. Like, <laughs> so I, I will amend my take slightly. If Jason Tatum takes good shots, plays good defense, 
you know, does the right things and just kind of misses them, that I won't hold against him. Yeah. But if he's launching long twos and if he's not getting to the free throw line and all that's and if he's not bothering to go to the rim, then I will, you know, hold how he plays against him. Like because then it then it's like, well, that's really concerning because you just like slipped back into all your old bad habits. So I guess that would be the addendum to what I was saying. Like as long as he plays the way he's been playing like schematically and stylistically, I'm cool. I saw like some NBA like aggregation account tweeted the quote, like Jason Tatum is for sure a top 10 player in the league. Like, do you know what the consensus was from like the internet? Were people into it or were they like, what the heck? So Tatum occupies this weird space where he's shown a lot already. He's been on like deep playoff runs. He's been the best player on a very good team. And so he, he gets compared to like, your dames and your your Jokic and your Paul Georges but then he's also on all these like uh these like graphics on Twitter alongside John Morant, Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic and it's like which one like who would you take to start your franchise and it's just kind of funny to see like to see him on both I think that right now most people are roughly on board with us where they're like he's got top 10 talent he's in that conversation but like he probably hasn't quite gotten there yet but like he's probably not far away that that seems to be I mean, and, and, you know, maybe I'm just like reading everybody else's tweets with my own takes in mind, but like, I, I do think that that seems to be sort of where people land on it. So I'm scrolling through some of the replies right now, and it seems to be a no, but most people are saying top 20. Oh yeah. I think that's pretty comfortable. I guess here's an interesting question. Do you think that Jason Tatum is comfortably top 15? Actually, let's do this. Who else is in your bubble? Just like read off all the names. Yeah. Give me your names. So in no particular order, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Luca, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, Kat, Embiid, Jokic, Dame, and Russ. Okay. That's, that's basically what mine is. Also, I left out like Rudy Gobert and LaMarcus Aldridge, sort of a lot of like guys who would play the five, I guess, just because, yeah. I don't know, it felt weird including them. I would definitely take Jason Tatum over Rudy Gobert and uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. No, exactly. Even though they're good at what they do, but sure. it's just, yeah. I don't know. This is a safe space to slander Rudy Gobert. <laughs> if we can mostly agree that he's top 20, do you think he cracks the top 15 at this point? So that's 11 players. And right now we agree that we have eight players. We would need four players worse. I know we have a history of being bad at math on this podcast, but I think... We need four players that are worse than Jason Tatum of that 11. We struggled to count to eight earlier today. <laughs> um, I would put Tatum above. It's interesting because I've always been kind of a Russ, not a hater, but like a little bit of a Russ doubter. Like I never like really believed in him as like a winning player. And then he went to Houston and I love the way he's played in Houston. I am a big Russ believer now, but I, I still would, I would take Jason Tatum over him just because of the three point shooting, I think is so valuable. The same reason I would take Tatum over Butler. I take him over cat just because like cat has problems defensively and we haven't seen him win yet. And I just, I kind of want to see him win some stuff before I'm all the way in on him. I would also take him right now over Chris Paul and I would take him over Kyrie. So that leaves Dame who I would have ahead of him right now, pending the playoffs Embiid who, again, I think, I, I think that one is kind of pending the playoffs as well. Um, and I, I would take Tatum over Ben Simmons too. So yeah, no, he's, he's comfortably in my top 15. Oh, you would take um, Tatum over Simmons? I would. Again, like, 
like the, the flaw in Simmons's game is just so glaring. And I like, I mean, I think defensively, he's just a monster. I think that his offense is, he's one of the most entertaining players. Like I, I will sit and watch like the top 2019 to 20 plays of Ben Simmons season any day, but I would take Tatum over him just be, because of the shooting. And because I think his defense is comparable. What about Luca? Luca's an interesting one. I would probably take Luca, honestly. But that's tough, too, because Luca hasn't been a great three-point shooter so far in his career either. So I'll, I'll stick to it for right now, um, and, I'll, and I'll go Luca, Embiid and Tatum are kind of a draw, and then Dame. So, you know, he's in that, like, 13-14 range for me right now. I feel like I would put Simmons and Embiid ahead of him. And we sort of talked about this before. Like, Celtics fans and Celtics reporters – have sometimes like a skewed view of Embiid and Simmons just because of how much the Celtics have been able to contain those two and just the Sixers as a whole over the past three years. But like, they're both such unique, like, I mean, generational is a little bit of a stretch here, but like potentially, you know what I mean? Like, So here's my thing with Embiid. I'm not sure how much a post-up big man I, I think it's tough to build offensively around that um in the modern game like he's been effective yes yes for sure but um are, but are you gonna dump it down to him how many times a game are you gonna dump it down to him you know what I mean like and, and if you do that does it clog up the rest of your offense and maybe that's maybe that's a Ben and Joel problem you know maybe that's like a build your team a little different problem I don't know I think he's shown that it's been effective though like I think part of it, the two of them too, is that they like exacerbate each other's flaws. Yeah, for sure. Like if Ben wants to drive the lane, you can't have Embiid there. You know what I mean? And then they, but. Yeah, I mean, Simmons has to hang out. Like the, you're like, they both like to be in the dunker spot. And right. Like and then neither of them, I mean, Simmons can't shoot. So it's like not like he can help space. Sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you as always for listening. We appreciate anybody who has left a review, who has left a five-star rating, please feel free to keep doing that. Um, and if you, if you have any suggestions for like stuff you want to hear about from us, like it's the middle of quarantine. This is, uh, we're, we're almost there, but we aren't out of the woods yet. So let us know if you, wanna, if you want us to talk about anything. Um, again, we appreciate you guys and we will talk to you on Monday. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.